All right, and we are back again with another episode of From College to Combine. As always, I am your host, Michael Ciccoli, at Michael underscore Ciccoli on Twitter, and joined by Riley, who got his chain on just, just in the in time. time, at Riley underscore Millette. How are you doing today, Mr. Millette? Listen, now I, I forgot to put my chain back on this morning. I take it off at night because it's a little fragile. It's kind of a stiff chain that I bought from JCPenney for like not that much money. So I try to take good care of it. I take it off when I sleep, take it off when I shower. And I forgot to put it on today, but I'll put it on just for this. JCPenney, not a sponsor, but if you wanted to, no, feel free to. No, no, <laughs> not even close. Okay, well... Either way, cheap jewelry aside, cheap anything aside, we're going to get into this, but shortly after I start off with a little bit of an announcement for all you guys that have been following this show since we kicked it off in January, right, Riley? It it feels like that. Yeah, it feels crazy long that obviously people who follow me now follow me on Twitter. You you know, I'm I'm with the IDP guys. This show started before that. Started with For Frequency Sake, where you're watching this right now. Again, an amazing follow to check out on YouTube or and why, why am I saying or and Twitter at FFSQC? That's where this show started, and that's going to be where the show kind of ends. This is going to be our second to last episode for From College to Combine, at least until we kickstarted again in January. When both of us started this show, we both envisioned it as a lead up to the draft, where anyone that's followed us from the start, we broke down those prospects step by step, film breakdowns, we did it all. And then we hit the draft, and we kind of won more so me, right, Riley? I, I, I dragged Riley along. But I said, I, 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 we want to keep it going. We want to keep football going while we didn't have football, and the draft cycle was over. And we kind of lost our direction a little bit, and these shows have a little bit dipped in what I expected and what it was. So temporary plan is to bring this back and get that draft cycle going when it pops up again in January. This is not a goodbye this is a see you later, right? But oh, oh and there we go. Viewer gone. Viewer gone. Viewer gone. <laughs> but I, I really do appreciate anyone that's stuck with us so far and anyone who's engaged with the content. And this is not the end in any means, especially for me in this fantasy space, especially after the amazing time I had at the Fantasy Expo. I'm sure, Riley, we want to talk about that in a quick second. But I do. I do want to hear about the, it. But – this, you know, I've, I got a lot of stuff coming with IDP guys, and maybe a couple other things in the in the works. With for frequency's sake, there's this is not the end. If you follow me at Michael underscore underscore there is tons of fantasy content coming. Just so I know how devastated people are to not have this type of show. So that's 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 the long and short. But we got this week, we got next week, and then we're going to go into in season content, which won't be from college to combine. Riley, you uh, are you a little bit sad? Yeah, a little bit. That's all right, though. We'll be back. Yeah, we, 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 will. we will. Because we watch film because we would rather do that than, uh, what, socialize? You know? We're so. gremlins, yeah. We're the gremlins of this football film. Yeah, imagine imagine going out when you could just stay in and watch a Han Dodson film. Am I right? You know, some Tyler Algier. Oh, my God. Oh. I liked him. Oh, oh my so, goodness. Right. But let's let that that's, – that's all that stuff aside. Let's get into today's show. I, I, I just got back from the expo the other yesterday. I, I had a amazing experience with American Airlines going back and forth. That's sarcasm. Never fly American. All right. I will slander them to this. Not even slander. I, just the worst thing ever. I think, I think every streamer has said every bad thing about every <laughs> airline that's ever. Yeah. 
existed. American has kind of caught the flack here at the end. Yeah, and I, I I'm not gonna linger on too much. People showed up showed up for the fantasy takes, but the expo was amazing. And if you sign up for the newsletter, if you saw the newsletter, if you followed my Twitter and read the newsletter, you'll know the personal message that I kind of had for that. And I'm not gonna reiterate. We want to jump into the show. We want to get to the football. But I really want to give a shout out to the Fantasy Expo, to everyone I met there, to Bob Long who put it all together. Just it's it was every single good part of this industry of everyone coming together, everyone spending money to be there, to meet and collab and share ideas and process. Riley's laughing at me. Yeah. But no, I'm laughing at okay. the seltzer can on your desk that you keep knocking into. It's 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 not even a seltzer. I accidentally bought like cream sodas when I thought they were seltzers because I just looked at the calories and zero. When come, you yeah, how about you, how about you come by our house, Riley, and have a have a piece? But they are really good. They are really great. But the expo was amazing, and I really want to thank everyone who's who I ever met there because everyone I met was unbelievably receptive. And I'm a quiet person by nature, so really, really awesome stuff. But. Let, let's let's jump into it, right? Let's get into it. We had a first week of real preseason football. Wow. Let's start with that. Let's start with those headlines. What Let me we start, start with the headline. Let me start with the headline. Start with the headline. I'm going to hijack you. Let me start with the headline. Go for it. The Patriots right. and Panthers cannot get along. What do you make of that, Michael? The Patriots and Panthers, and Christian McCaffrey was involved in one of the fights. And yes. The, uh, the fight that happened today, he was one of the centerpieces of it. What if what? Like, can you tell me what this is all about, please? Yes. Yes, I can. And I can tell you that yesterday was because Mac Jones walked up to – Mac Jones completed a, a, a deep ball to Tyquan Thornton and then walked up to Brian Burns, defensive end, yep. star defensive end, someone I love of the Carolina Panthers. And You're I believe, to put it Brian delicately, Burns. he said, I, I want to get the words right, Hold my nuts. I believe that's exactly that's exactly what he said. Let's I go. Believe that's, I believe that's what he said to Brian Burns, the defensive end of the Panthers, and a fight ensued, of which I would never say that yes. to Brian freaking Burns, a guy that would shred me like pulled pork in a nice rotisserie or something. I don't know. But uh that that was that was yesterday, and then there was a late hit on Chris McCaffrey, one of the nicest players in the in the league, and constantly goes to show the lack of discipline that the Patriots have and yeah. Bill Belichick's lack of experience at coaching to wrangle in his players because it's dirty, honestly. And it was I think it was Dietrich Wise who delivered the late hit, and he was ejected out of practice as well because you're not going to put Christian McCaffrey on the ground in a joint practice because why would you do that, Riley? What type of scumbag would do that? Exactly. I would never do that. Exactly. So if you're done talking about your terrible Patriots and the bad influence that they put on the league from start to finish, let's get into week one for these uh, these news and takeaways and just everything that happened. So I want I want it's really just a couple things I want to bring up. And one of them was Damian Pierce. He's kind of lit up Twitter in this way because he exploded for like nine point two yards per carry, and he looked good on some of his carries. He made some nice cuts. What did your – I'm still not in on Pierce. I didn't like him pre-draft. This didn't change anything for me. He was still playing. He didn't play with the first team. A lot of people forget that because he mixes in in practice and he gets there because Marlon Mack isn't that good. But Marlon Mack did open that game as the starter. I think it's just going to be a really terrible situation all around. I'm not that interested in any of these uh, Texans running backs. But what do you, what do you think? 
I'm more after Damian Pierce as a dynasty piece. I'm not, you know, super super into him as as a redraft asset this year, but I I he's semi past the eye test to where um if I drafted him the, in my rookie drafts this upcoming year or this past year, I'm happy. I'm not going to go out and pursue Damian Pierce just because of this, but I think this boosts Damian Pierce's stock overall. It doesn't really change my feelings on the Texans' backfield because it is just a slog of of confusion and uncertainty, but um, it certainly looks like Damian Pierce is, is going to be the real deal within the next year or two. That's what I think. I wholeheartedly disagree. <laughs> and I'll, 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 I'll bring it up like this, right? The problem with Damian Pierce, whether he's good or not, is nothing to do with that. has nothing to do with that. The problem is that he was a fourth-round pick. And day three guys we see year after year, they could be good. They could be Phil Blinsey good. They could be Chris Carson good. They could be, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm James like, um, drafted good. Thank you, James Robinson. It doesn't matter because teams, like, they have to be exceptional to have a role. And even then, they still get replaced by other guys. How many? James they, Robinson, he was exceptional, and he still got replaced. Robinson was exceptional, and that was maybe, maybe that was the Jags, but we're talking about the Texans here. You know, it's Damian Pierce could go out there and put up 1,100 yards, and he could still be replaced. Now, he would still be a great dynasty guy, and you would still have plenty of cell windows over this year. And I, that's why I like Pierce more in redraft than I do in dynasty because I think no matter what happens, he has such a slim chance of holding out to this role entering next season. Does that make sense? I, I can see why someone would think that. I just think that based on the fact that everyone who everyone else who's in this backfield is only there short term and Damian Pierce is, has shown that um, you know he's kind of moving up the rank very quickly after after training camp and into preseason. I think given within the next one, two probably years, I I wouldn't be be upset to trade, you know, a, a mid round pick for, for Damian Pierce and just see what happens. Maybe late second, early third, I wouldn't mind trading for him right now. Where did he go in, in rookie drafts off the top of my head? I think he went like at the, top the top third round. middle of the second. Uh it, God, it was such a weak class. It depends on your been, league. If, been, if, if, if you were reaching for a running back, which some leagues, you know, you, some people want to draft for need, you could see him in the second round, back mid, back of the second round. He typically went at the top of the third. It was kind of where actually Antonio Gibson was going a couple, a couple, uh, what's it called? A couple months ago. And that's the name we're going to do. Antonio Gibson's whole fantasy outlook. Well, we're going we're gonna to get into that in a second, but I want to bring up at least one other preseason week one standout, and that was the dynasty wide receiver one in George Pickens, um, a guy that. I'm, it, it, wow. it feels that way, the way Twitter reacts to it. And, you know, as a Steeler fan, I have to say, and as we said, again, our strength of this show, as we said at the top, was in the pre-draft process. Riley, I don't remember actually how high you were on Pickens, but if you remember me, I I you, think I had yeah. him ahead of Drake London. I think I put yeah, him ahead of Drake like, London, you and you like called me crazy. crazy. I was not super high on him, but I, I really liked his uh, what he put on tape before he got injured. I, I was afraid of him because of the injury, but – I mean, he's he's kind of just done everything that you want um, as a Steelers fan. Everything you don't want as a Chase Claypool uh, uh, dynasty mm-hmm. owner, which I am. So um, you know, George Pickens has kind of been a little scary for me, but um, he is that guy. He is kind of he is becoming that guy. I, I, I do I do want to say that while he is indeed that guy, and for dynasty, he will be that guy. 
somebody that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sell high for George uh, on George Pickens if I'm a dynasty I'm holding, but I think we should temper redraft expectations. This is still oh, for sure. a pretty middling. Like people are drafting him high. Like I was, listen, I was out there drafting this weekend at the expo. People are they're 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 they're, they're grabbing him because he is again he's a good talent, but. This offense still projects to kind of be mediocre. Deontay is still also that guy. And Claypool is not a slouch. I really want people to remember He's that. very talented. I, so it, it's – I don't doubt that Pickens will have some huge blowout games. It just might take some time, which is normal for rookies. It's not always lighted up from the get-go. But uh, I, that's that's kind of my take on George Pickens. Let's, let's move on to some injury headlines. Not something I like – talking about but there's a lot of roundups because we're getting you know we went from no football to football and a lot of guys take some wear and tear on their bodies the talk of the town uh you know in in canton i had you know i was talking to people across the bar type of thing across zach wilson uh, it, yeah uh, zach wilson shout out to my guy uh fernando from uh oh god i i i, I from uh U, the uff uh you know i had we talked immediately about it but um What's it called? Uh, Jack Wilson. We originally was thinking ACL. Now he traveled to LA. Everything has turned out as good as it possibly could for him. Looks like a partially torn meniscus with a bone bruise mixed in there. No idea how you get a bone bruise on a non-contact knee injury, but ultimately it was all good news. And I still expect him, as I think the Jets do as well, he's going to miss at least week one. I think he could still miss week two, but it's not going to be the season, and he should avoid the – the uh, pup list. What uh, what were you thinking when you saw Zach Wilson go down? Uh, our our buddy, our good buddy Xavier, a friend of the show, told us that if like before uh, we knew the extent of the injury, when we just knew it was a knee injury, that's all, and all we could assume at that point was all we were thinking at that point, at least, was torn ACL. He's going to miss the year. Um, that would have made it four straight second overall picks that had torn their ACL, which was Chase Young. Um, Nick Bosa and and one are the one that's slipping my mind. If you can help me out, but that that would have been just such bad luck for the Jets' offense, and and would have been terrible for everyone who drafted Elijah Moore uh, high up in their drafts. Everyone who took uh, Garrett Wilson high up in their rookie drafts, it would have been terrible for everybody involved. So, um, for a guy who's really seen their MVP stock rise over this offseason for non-football reasons, which doesn't happen very often, I'm glad Zach Wilson will be on the field. And I think he's a. I think that he was a really good prospect, and I'm excited to see what he can do uh, with a, a semi-complete offense. Uh, Sands and Mackay Becton around him, with a decent head coach and some decent uh, position players. Um, I'm not going to say this is it for Zach Wilson because um, you know he might he might be a little hobbled if he starts week one and he doesn't have a complete offensive line, but his weapons are there, and I I think Zach Wilson could do a little something for, for guys who take him late in their Superflex drafts. I will say this. I'm not a huge fan of Zach Wilson, uh, but and I, I do think Joe Flacco can – if Joe Flacco plays, it's not the end of the world for the assets. Joe Flacco play, has played well over the last few years. It hasn't translated to win. He's 0-5, and, and it starts with the Jets. But he's thrown, I believe it was 6-2, to two inter, uh, a 6-2 to two touchdown interception ratio. Not bad at all. Average around 250 passing yards a game. And they're going to be probably playing from behind, especially if they do start slow with uh, with Flacco. Um, and Saquon Barkley was that other number two overall pick. Um, yes, who also right. obviously yeah. tore his ACL. 
And even then, like before that was Mitch didn't tear his ACL, but before that, Carson Wentz tore his ACL. So the 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 bottom line is if you're a number two overall who was the number two overall pick this year? God, let's let's protect him. It was it was, a, it was it a, oh it was Hutchinson. No. Okay, no. This trend it stops here. I don't yeah. want to see that. That's terrible. Okay. I don't I know what, what name we would have had to say for that to be okay because it's not. But uh let's let's move on to another headline because we got a lot of injury news to touch on. Uh, Chris Godwin returned to seven-on-seven practices, which, again, we're not going to touch too long on that, but that's a big step in the right direction, just being on the field. I still don't think he's going to be out there week one, but everything is pointing in the right direction for him to he should avoid the pop. I think that is now the safe assumption where that wasn't the case when we were ending August. Um any any thoughts of Goblin? You want to keep quick? Uh, you want to rapid fire? Keep going. Uh, please let him be healthy because I have him on some dynasty exactly. teams. Exactly. So thoughts. Kenneth Walker, another name that I was very familiar with this weekend when I won his signed jersey at draft night out at the expo, kept the arm in the air. Shout out to anybody that cheered me along. Love you, Brandon Blanco and my guy Cliff Hosses, um, and also Matt Ward as well at Psych Ward on Twitter. Amazing guy. Um, but. The Kenneth Walker is dealing with a hernia. He had a procedure done to deal with that, but it wasn't a sports hernia. The, that core muscle injury that could come close to ending your se- uh, your season. And Pete Carroll's being his typical optimistic self, saying he's going to be back week one. Let's temper that. I hope he's back week one. Might be close to week two or three. We'll see. But all, again, a good news. Good injury news for Kenneth Walker because we are really concerned about that. Rashad Penny on topic of the Seattle also returned to practice this week after his hamstring injury ripped off a big run he seems to be okay the Browns lost their starting center and backup center that's not going to change your projections for anyone but that's something that's a that's bad that's 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 not good to lose both of your starting centers at this point a name because again I was in Cleveland so this was something that everyone was or I wasn't in Cleveland but I was in Ohio and there were plenty of Browns fans to uh, remind me that that happened, and also remind me. Shout out to Grant Gill, uh, Gillian who reminded me this. J.C. Treader is still for agent. The man is president of the NFLPA, but he is not. Doing, he's not. He's not in the league. He could easily return with the Browns. I would not be surprised to see that happen and replace their injury. Uh, Darren Waller returned to practice after missing a whole week. We saw him at a basketball game, but we did not see him on the. What uh, was not seeing him on the field. What where what is your temperature on Darren Waller? Because I have not found a player that I feel more out on than Darren Waller. I'm I'm mid on Darren Waller. I mean, he still fits into that that second tier of tight ends that I want to cash in on, which is uh, Kittle, Pitts, nice. Uh, Kittle, Pitts, and Waller kind of fit into that for me, and I'll still take him in the third, fourth round. You know, at, at that turn if I end up there, but. Uh, the the amount of, of targets slash red zone targets slash touchdowns that are up for grabs for the Raiders, he kind of feels like the odd man out between Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams, and him, which we talked about before. But um, I'm still – after he had, like, that monster week in week one and then he, he was really just super average for the rest of the year when he ended up with seven, eight targets per game, uh, I'm not betting on that going up uh, with the arrival of Devontae Adams. And this only he's going to score touchdowns, and that's really not something he's done throughout his career. And it's Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams are two of the best red zone receivers in the NFL right now. 
and it's it's tough to see that spin the other way. And Waller doesn't have to do much to be a difference maker at the position, and he is dropping in drafts because of all these red flags, because of the chance he could be the odd man out. If he drops far, far enough, maybe, but right now he's nowhere near where I'm taking him. I, I'd take Dalton Schultz ahead of him, and he tends to go around after. Uh, another name, Mikkel Hardman. We're not going to touch too long because we don't really care about Mikkel, but Mikkel suffered a groin injury in camp today. It was originally reported he was carted off, but important context for anyone actually paying attention, he walked to the cart and then got carted off. That's a huge difference in the reporting that mainstream kind of messed up on right there, kind of jumped the gun. But Mikkel Hardman, it doesn't seem to be as major as it was originally feared. Either way, off the off the uh, off the redraft radar, Miles Sanders. This is one I really do want to talk about because Miles Sanders is someone I have talked all offseason about as a value. I have not shut up about. And you've my, been the only, really the only one to do that. I know, I know, because he scored zero touchdowns last year, and that was set to bounce back in a much better offense for someone who always was an explosive talent and ripped off the big plays, but he just didn't score or catch the passes uh, or catch passes. And I thought one of those would tip. A hamstring injury this late into the preseason in mid-August, I might be out. It might be enough to put me totally out of it because that is that is a huge issue for a guy that has struggled with injuries and now he has a nagging hamstring injury. He's still not back. If he returns within, if he returns by Monday, if he returns after the weekend, and he's back. I'm I'll be back on track. But if he, he'll miss this weekend with that hamstring injury, and if he misses more time after that, it, he's going to be asking for a splitting time with Kenneth Gainwell. And if he's splitting time to a significant degree, he's not going to get enough to get it done when you have Jalen Hurts also there. I was bouncing on him getting at least 14 carries a game and being that goal line guy. If he is injured and he is a hamstring injury, that is something that I am willing to pivot my take on. I th- what, 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 what about you? Does that make sense to you? I was never as high as in um, on him as you were. I mean, I'm kind of towards more on the side of the TikTok people who are saying zero RB, you end up with Miles Sanders as your RB1, and then they scream because they're scared. And I, I guess that's kind of more where I land. Um, and I'm, I'm also not as worried about the injury as you are, but it's it's only further uh, reason for me to not take him and to uh, cash in on the running backs in the first couple rounds. I will quickly interrupt for some Small breaking news. Uh, Dick Vitale, legendary ESPN analyst, was just announced as cancer-free, and that just... That's ah, awesome. beautiful. That's, Good for him. That's awesome. So, that's awesome. But uh, either way, we'll go back to back to our regular scheduled programming. Uh, another another two... Quick, quick, just two more. Drew Locke. We don't care about Drew Locke, but he just... Brutal step in his chance to take over for Geno Smith. He was announced to start... The, the second preseason game, and not even an hour late. If I, I don't have the timestamp, but it felt like not even an hour later, he was announced that he has COVID and he, he will miss this weekend's game. That's We're not counting on Drew Locke. We don't really want to see Drew Locke out there, to be honest. Geno Smith played significantly better than him last season, but this is this is as close to you're gonna you're not going to win this starting job as he was already most likely not to. The one other name I want to bring up, Drake London. Everyone held their breath this weekend, both with Zach Wilson and Drake London. And fortunately, we got good news out of each. Arthur Smith said that the news was, or that the injury was not supposed to be super serious. 
that Drake London won't be out long term. We're waiting to see whether that will be the case. But, you know, for a guy that on his first play of the game made a play and on the, on a crossing round and then disappeared with a knee injury, could have been the worst. You are smiling. You are smiling. I'm smiling about Greg London, really, because I would be upset to really right. see him in because he's one of the most electric talents coming out this year. Yes, he was indeed a talent that was coming out this year. But let's let's quickly touch on a couple more headlines, and then we're going to give some draft tips. The let's see, which one do you want to start with? Let's let's. I, I there, there's one I really want to talk about, but I'll let you choose the other. I want to talk about Melvin Gordon the most because it's not very often we see, you know, a not journeyman, but someone who's been around for a long time like Melvin Gordon say that the coaching staff is leaning away from him towards the direction of Javante Williams. And not, not that I put a whole lot of stock in it, but uh, not that I would draft either of them differently because of that. But it's just something interesting that, that uh, Melvin Gordon said in it, it, uh, and if, if anything, it muddies the that backfield a little more, but it's just kind of something fun to look at, right? I, I have two things to say to that. One, I want to note that he said that after missing a couple of days of practice with a foot injury that he returned from. So I wonder if he was just feeling a little bit left out. I don't know. Yeah. But the other thing I want to bring up, I received a trade offer about Javante Williams in one of my leagues, in the uh, Dynasty Addicts League. I'm curious on your take on it. Let's hear it. So – T. Right, Higgins and a 23 first. Well, for Javante Williams, for Javante Williams and Christian Kirk. In that league, I have a very deep wide receiver room. I have a pretty shallow running back room. I don't love moving a 23 first and a primo wide receiver for a running back. Would not do it. Give that's me, that's give me what T. I was leaning. That's what I was leaning. I, I, I am a big I, I like Christian Kirk quite a lot this year, but it I was don't. something that I, I was I was at least thinking on. I think I have the luxury of making the move, but I don't know if it's the right one in terms of value. But the other headline I want to bring up, Ramondre Stevenson. And I bring this up for a couple of reasons. Not only because we're hearing reports that he's gonna take the James White role and that other people are a lot of reporters are saying that, but also our guy Ethan Hurwitz texted me separately and said, Hey, yeah, you should be giving Ramondre Stevenson a look. Our guy, Ethan Hurwitz of Sports Illustrated, is giving at, – at, at Patriots camp, he's seeing this. They are giving Roger Stevenson the role so far in practice. They're trying him out on those third downs, on those pass blocking, on those, on those receiving downs. And I don't buy it totally. I don't doubt that he will get some of those reps, but I don't think he's carving out that role totally because I don't – he's not – like that's that's not his skill set. That's He might be fine at it, but he's not that. What, what, what's your take as a Patriots fan? I don't think he's that either. And just because the Patriots don't have anyone else who does that exceptionally on their roster, I don't think that Ramondre has to be that guy. I think there's a, a real possibility that there's no one on that team who really fits that role and they run into the season um, you know, with really no third down pass protecting back and it, and it comes at a disadvantage to them and they're going to stick Ramondre in that role. Either he's not quick enough or he's too big enough to fill that role and and it, and it hurts them. So I'm not sure that Ramondre had to fill the role just because he's the second guy up. Yeah, I completely agree. And last thing, Derwin James got his extension, his $70 million extension. That's not going to change how you value him for redraft, but that does confirm he should be on the field. He's still coming off that shoulder injury, but for IDP purposes, he will be a top five guy in his position because he is, quote, that guy. And that guy. they're, they're going to use him in coverage. And that's it's, it's a small hit to Kelsey – 
and and Darren Waller and Alberto of those stacked tight ends because he was a he was one of the he was I I think he was the best safety in coverage against the tight end last season. But let's get into our uh, draft tips. We're gonna keep we're gonna let, let, let's rapid fire this more of a more of a discussion based type of thing. Mm-hmm. Riley, Mister yeah. Mister Millet, when you are drafting, let's say you're drafting at the you know, let me tell you. Actually, you know what? Let me tell you where my favorite spot to draft is. Please tell me. Has been this this coming year, one hundred five. That's been my slot. I've done a lot of mock drafts this upcoming year. One hundred five has been my favorite. Obviously, you don't you don't get to choose where you draft from, but one hundred five, you'll end up with obviously the two top running backs that are going are Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey. Um, I would lump Derrick Henry into those, and then um, we're, we're assuming those those guys go three of the top four. Then you end up with um, either one Cup, of Cooper Jefferson, Cup or Chase. Jefferson. I'm taking Justin Jefferson first. I know that may, most people are taking Cooper Cup. I just simply prefer Justin Jefferson just because he's a cooler player and he can hit that gritty pretty mean. And then once once you come around you know, to the middle of the second, you can end up with guys like um, you know, CeeDee Lamb. You might be able to slide in at like the 208. Tyreek Hill might fall there. Debo is definitely falling there. Javante is falling there. And – I think that's kind of the end of the tier where you get top tier guys, right? So I think the middle of the draft is is has really been exceptional and and uh, more advantageous for guys who end up either in, you know in the first three or the last three uh, picks of the draft. I think that's I, I think that's a really good point. I find that I'm drafting a lot of good teams at the 111 because I like if I could choose my spots theoretically, I like being close to the turn. I like not having to guess one of my two picks where if I'm at the five, six, seven, eight, you're guessing both of who's going to come around at the one, one eleven. I can very closely look at that team next to me and I could guess their team needs. And what you, as you get later, that's harder to do, but okay. that's, that's, you know, less of a factor, you know, it's less risk because you're not paying as much. Uh, so I, I like the ends a little bit and I typically prefer late to uh, before, unless it's super flex. I like getting my top quarterbacks, but that's 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 what I like to do with draft slots. In, in regard to team build, Riley. So at the expo, this was something that was very much talked about across all the board. Uh, something that I think we all tried doing growing up was we wanted the running backs. You know, we wanted those guys. And back in the day, maybe it worked. It it really didn't because we just didn't know. But a lot of people don't take three three running backs in a row. That's that's the mentality I want to get across. And the bigger thing with that is that you are taking on a lot of injury risk with each of those three picks at the top of your draft, and you're sacrificing a lot of good wide receiver talent. Yes, there's still wide receivers to draft later, but they're not as good as the Cooper Cups and all that. And they're not Justin Jefferson's, they're not all that, and you're investing so much risk for a position that also you're only starting two of. You know, the rest is flex, typically, unless you're on a three-running back league. But – that's 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 something else I want to take away. What about you in terms of draft build? What uh, what, what's your team build, Riley? In the startup draft dynasty draft that we did last year, that's what I did. I took three running backs in a row, and then I traded up to take a tight end in the back of the third. Which, at the time, I felt that was the way to go. I've done a ton of mock drafts. I ended up with, uh, I think it was DeAndre Swift. I took in the first round. I took um, J.K. Dobbins in the second. I came around and took Clyde Wurzelaire in the third because he was my guy. I loved him so much. And then I traded up to take Kyle Pitts because I didn't want to risk missing out on that, the top tier of tight ends. And at this point, 
you know, my wide receiver room in that league is Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Cortland Sutton, which I, I think they're all players with a very solid amount of upside, but they're they're not going to finish as top eight wide receivers like you'd like to see at least one of your wide receivers be able to do. So it really put a hamstring on me, and especially once you talk about uh, injury risk like J.K. Dobbins, um, CEH has had a solid amount of injury risk. Uh, DeAndre Swistle has plenty of upside, but that's only one of those three running backs I took with very good capital. Yeah, I, I think it's a really dicey – Every every running back is dicey. So splitting up that risk relative to draft cost is always a good measure to have. Uh, now, early round, let's go floor versus ceiling. And something else I want to bring up because I had this discussion on Twitter yesterday. So good good, uh, good guy, Luke Sawhoko, is catching passes from this past weekend at the Hall of Fame Stadium. Those are, those are mean spiral, got to say. Uh, sure. But he brought this up on Twitter, and I, I retweeted, and I got some interesting – I got an interesting comment of – he said after round five, that's where you start taking only upside. You start avoiding any player that you consider safe, and you start taking the upside after round five. So what what what's your take on that? I'm curious. Start. I mean that 100. I'm all in on like you can take your safe picks. You can take your DeAndre Swifts and your George Kittle. Those are guys I see as PPR guys who will catch a ton of passes. Maybe they don't have a ton of upside. Hey Neha, what's going on? Um, I love Neha. She's great. Um, but once you get show. once you get past there and, and you start taking the Alan Lazards of the world, the Cortland Suttons, especially once you get into round five and six, I mean those those are the guys that I'm all in on. I mean that's how you win your leagues, and I've I've done it time and time again. I take the safe guys over and over because I don't want to get caught holding the bag on a you know Marquise Brown when he back when he was with the Ravens and there's a a low a small pie and all that yada yada yada, and I end up taking them because. Um, you know, their, their floor is lower, but I, you got to take a shot on those high ceiling guys. That's how I've come to learn fantasy over the years. It, I, I, I agree with most of it because you don't win playing scared. Like I play, nope. I, I put that into almost anything in life. And that said, there are players that will return on investment to AP every single year that are always undrafted. And a guy that I just, I, I want to bring it up. Like I'm, I will avoid Jarvis Landry's late in, late in drafts. Jarvis, those back, I, Jarvis could be fine. He could win me. He, he could fill in well on a bye week. But Jarvis will not win my league. Jarvis will not be a wide receiver too. He might be a flex. And I don't care about that. I want to draft guys that will blow up. But that said, I do like mixing in guys like Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks will not be a wide receiver one. It it, it would take a catastrophic yeah. – it would take a meteor – meteor I don't know. A huge rise – for Davis Mills, for Dave, uh, for Brandon Cooks to be a wide receiver one, but he could be—he is always a very solid wide receiver two, and always had, has been for the last few years. And I, there's a huge value to that when he's always drafted outside of the top twenty-four. So, I think it's a little bit of a uh, little bit of give and take, and especially if you're taking maybe a, a higher running back approach. If I take Christian McCaffrey and I take Dalvin Cook back to back, hell of a start. I love it, but it's a little bit more risky. And I go running, like if I go running back, running back, tight end, then I go Terry McLaurin. Thank I might Terry. go Brandon Cooks to offset that type of risk because that is, those are three, two guys that will be, that might, they'll miss a week or two. They, they will because they're running backs and they have somewhat of a history. Terry McLaurin is up and down. He will be, but he will be good. Still something you do in the early rounds though. Brandon, Brandon Cooks offsets. Yes, definitely something you do in the, Early rounds. Okay. So 
What uh, what there, there's one other thing I want to touch on for these draft tips. Uh, the values at each position, because a lot of people they like the something that you always get asked by fans, people starting off, is when do I take X? When do I take my quarterback? When do I take my running back? When do I take my wide receiver type? The easy answer is there is no answer because it depends on your draft and you take the value as it falls. You don't have to fill out your starting lineup. You take the best players. But I'm curious, Riley, if you have any set rounds where you take guys because outside of defense and kicker, if your league has that, I have no rules. I don't have set rules like take take tight ends in the first few rounds if, if you have you know one of the top three. Take quarterbacks rounds – five, six plus. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't have set rules that I follow. I kind of just take it uh, pick by pick, depending on what guys, why, uh, where guys are being drafted. But generally um, I kind of follow the blueprint of take a tight end in the first two and a half rounds. I won't reach on a quarterback. That's just my personal preference. I'll take them around seven through eight. And I usually try to leave a draft with at least one wide receiver in the first three. That's just kind of my blueprint. Um, you, I, I feel like that's what's kind of gotten me the most upside through my drafts, but everyone does it differently. As long as you don't take three running backs and then tight end in the first three rounds, like I did, uh, I think it'll be fine. Quarterback is the biggest one I want to just touch on because quarterbacks, they, I never take them. I never, I, I keep waiting and I keep waiting and I still end up happy because the value at quarterback is so deep where, I can get Trey Lance in the eighth round, so why am I taking Justin Herbert in the fifth? And Justin Herbert will be a difference maker, but there are great players in the fifth. There's great players in the fourth with just Josh Allen. Same goes with Tom Brady. Guys like that, and anyone that gets drafted ahead of round eight, nine, ten, it's just you're missing out on players that you should have. And for me, with tight end, the cutoff comes after Mark Andrews. I can yep. take George Kittle because George Kittle is falling too far. I like taking him in that fourth, fifth round because I'm not paying what I used to pay for him. But Kelsey, Andrews, and then I pretty much wait. I, I don't mind taking a mid-round shot on Schultz, but and I think Ertz is becoming a really good value as Marquise Brown and DeAndre Hopkins are missing time right now. Uh, Hopkins with a six-game suspension, Marquise Brown with an injury, and Ertz just seems like such a safe pick right now. But it's, very safe. it's, it's that's, that's kind of my approach. And otherwise, you just take in value as it goes. You don't have to fill your roster. Very econ mistake. Take your kicker and defense last. Play it by matchups. And quarterbacks, it's look at your board. That's that's the last thing I want to say. Yeah. Is look definitely. at look at your board. If a, if ten quarterbacks have gone off the board, if every team has one quarterback in a one QB league, <laughs> wait, wait, because only two more quarterbacks have a are will be drafted. Maybe a few more because teams like to stack up a little bit more, but there's still going to be 18 or so quarterbacks that I'm fine entering the season with based off matchups and natural talent. I'm fine with about starting the season with probably 16 to 18 of these quarterbacks. You're not going to have 16 to 18 drafted. So you could just keep on waiting, play the matchup, take Kirk cousins with your 10th pick because he'll be a QB one. He's going to go outside. Kirk has never drafted inside the top 12. There's only 12 teams in your league, most likely, maybe less. So every single league, you pretty much get Kirk Cousins just by waiting. So I get fired up talking about Kirk Cousins. You do get fired up. That's all right, though. That's all right. That, that That's – yeah, that it, it is all right. It is all right. And you know what else is all right is ending this show because we have had an amazing episode. So thank you, for everyone, for tuning in. 
two from College of Combine. Again, check out for frequency's sake on Twitter as well as YouTube at FFSQC. And, of course, I had to peek guys where I put out a lot of my content as well as a weekly newsletter. Came out this morning. It will go out again next Wednesday. And I'll tell you this, it's only getting better. So check them out at IDP guys at idpguys.org as well as at IDP guys on YouTube. Follow me at Michael underscore underscore Sicoli. Follow Riley at Riley underscore Millette. It's okay if you don't follow him, but definitely follow me, two underscores, because two is better than one. Thank you guys for tuning in. We have our final episode for this show next week, next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Easter. Actually, Riley, I might be working that day. Time to be oh, determined. Well, Scott's out. My guy, Scott's out. So oh, we'll Scott. figure it out either way. Thank you guys for tuning in. Really do appreciate everyone spending their nights with us. So have a good one. Stay healthy. Stay 